we're ready. Welcome everyone. So nice to have you here. Hope you're having a great day. Um, just want to go over the format uh, a little bit before we begin. Uh, Nalani and I will, will have a conversation followed by a practice led by Nalani. And finally, uh, questions from, from any of you that would like to ask. Ah, Nalani, so here we are. Would you like to, to open us up? Oh, yes. First of all, namaste, everybody. We always start with namaste because it just reaffirms, you know, the divine is in you, the divine is in me, and together we all join in satsang. And Lord Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there too. So we are all gathered in the name of unconditional love, spirituality, and openness to mankind. So we'll open with a little mantra. Om Bhur Bhuvaswaha Tat Savitur Varenyam Bargo Devas Yadimahi Dio Yona Prachodayad. I meditate on that great effulgent light that enlightens all the three worlds. May it enlighten all of us too. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Thank you, Avi. Thank you. So I'd like to begin with asking you a question. Um, I've heard you say that, that our, first, our first job is to find peace. I know Gurudev also uh, speaks to, to finding peace, um, maybe being the most important thing that we could do. What does it mean to you to find peace? Equanimity of mind being able to walk into any space and not let that space either disturb me or carry my emotions away where I am imbalanced, to be in that stillness no matter where I am and to feel connection constantly with not what I see on the exterior, but to look at the interior of everything that comes my way, to look for that source of light that exists in all. When I am doing that, there is peace. When there's no hankering, when there's no desires controlling you, frustrations, just acceptance of whatever and knowing how to react in adverse conditions or excellent conditions because both can drag us away. <laughs> so to me, that is uh, peace, peace, silence, bliss. <laughs> so it sounds simple maybe in a way, but what does it take to actually do that? Oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's something we can do. I think it's something we, we arrive at through time. Mm. Uh, when I came into this path, obviously, I did not have peace. And I was searching for that peace. I didn't even know the meaning of peace. So, um, you know, Sri Patanjali tells us the two wings to get there, uh, practice and non-attachment. And all of my students know this, you know, practice. Okay. We all know practice for a long time without a break and with all your heart, that is really important. You have to love what you do. Okay. So there has to be an element of bhakti to get what you want. Cause if you really love something, you will work hard to get it. Right. Uh, so you have to start with that desire that overcomes all desires. And then the other wing, which is uh, non-attachment, is the more difficult one. Why? Because while we're working in the world, you know, the, the, the hard thing is to 
be able to have things around you without them becoming your possessions. And it's hard to live with the world constantly that is constantly telling you what is good for you, society telling you, oh no, you don't know this. What is popular is not always right. What is right is not always popular. That's Einstein. That was his saying. And so you're constantly thrown about with all these different um, ideas of what peace is or what uh, connection with divine is or what God is. So in the beginning, it is, it is a journey. It is not that easy. But through the process of um, self-analysis and all the different yogas, I think this is why, again, I loved Gurudev's path, integral yoga, because it, it embraces Yana, Bhakti, Japa, Raja, Hatha, Karma Yoga. It embraces all those because we as human beings, we all as human beings have so many different aspects to our character. Some days we're more loving. Some days we are more like analytical. Other days we, we want to know our intelligence. We want to be taught. I want to know, I want to know. We're working with our minds. So, you know, we are, we are many aspects of oneself. And so, yes, so, so, so in the beginning, at least for me, the first five years was a lot of introspection, introspection. And that's why I always tell people, it took me five years, I think, to maybe experience a second of silence in my meditation. But just sitting down for those five years, changed so much in me because I was able to introspect the kingdom of heaven is within. The kingdom of heaven is within. We hear it all the time. And I realized that prior to that practice, everything I experienced was what the outside world was giving me. And my emotions were based on something outside of me. And in meditation, it was going inwards to discover what all the yogis tell us and all the great ones tell us that this kingdom is within us. So once you experience a bit of lightness, a bit of uh, escape from that crazy mind, there is nothing more delicious. It's just so delicious to escape from that crazy mind. And, and I found in even the first six months of meditation that I had periods where the mind wasn't driving me crazy. Hallelujah. I mean, that's how did I how did I miss this for the first 33 years of my life? How did I miss this? And then I remember I didn't miss it because I remember I lost it. Um, as a child, I went to a Catholic school, uh, Marinol Convent, actually, and uh, most people complain about their schools, but I loved my nuns. They were amazing. They were just like, you know, um, like Sister Act. They were fun. You know, we only had one strict nun who did hit us on the hands, but it didn't matter because the others were so nice. And uh, I remember at the age of 11 or 12, um, asking um, the nuns, could I go to school early at six o'clock and pray with them at the chapel? Everybody thought I was nuts. My, my friends, why are you doing it? We never want to go to mass or church. But I just loved it as a child. I loved it so much. And I did this for two years. And mom used to scold me, why do you want to go to school so early? What are you doing so early? Mom, I'm just praying. <laughs> with the nuns so I had it and then of course you become a teenager correct as we all do and you want to explore life and then oh my god boyfriends and dressing up and makeup and all that stuff that we do well not everybody but I did I was a rebel I wanted to experience life and I kind of like lost that bliss and so coming back to it so many years later, I think I was hankering for that and to receive it again. So you see, it was always there. It was always there. It was always there.
I just got caught outside, which was necessary. It is necessary for us to get caught because we we don't get caught, we don't fall, and we don't make mistakes, and we uh, don't learn from them. How are we going to understand others? How are we going to have the compassion? You know, this is so important in this path. I am so glad I made all those mistakes. I'm so glad. Uh, that so many people also hurt me so I could forgive them. I mean, they really gave me a gift to learn about forgiveness. And if I hurt them, I could, I'm so glad I could manage to say, forgive me too. You know, these are the first steps to peace with the meditation, the attachment to our ego. You know, uh, what is the ego? The ego always wants to be right. What is the soul? It just wants to love. It doesn't have to be right. It just has the love to be itself, to, to feel that peace. And it's, for me, if I, I am not in that energy of love, I cannot really feel that peace. And the love I'm talking about is not that, it is also lovely, it is also that, but it's more, it's like, um, it's like, um, feel it here, right now, and it's like a warm glow that's constantly inside of you, you know? Um, yeah, kind of like I said, Shaktipat from his eyes, you know, just looking at that picture. Ooh, but it's not, it's more constant. It's more constant. So, yes, it takes work. It's in all of us, this piece. We are it. And we get waylaid on this journey called life. And there's nothing to regret on this journey. Um, the Bhagavad Gita, one thing I learned through this journey to peace is also when I read the Gita, which I love, my two Bibles are the Yoga Sutras of Sri Patanjali and the Bhagavad Gita. And I read the Gita and it said, you know, those who are Fear, guilt, worry, anger, lust cannot connect, cannot connect. But those who are forgiving, loving, not attached to all their personal emotions, which is the ego. The ego has to be important. The ego has to be famous. It wants to be recognized. And when you are in those positions, you know, I noticed when I felt those in the early days, like, you know, when I first started teaching, I wanted to be recognized. I really did not like that feeling. It was totally uncomfortable. It was not peaceful. My goal was peace. I never wanted to teach in the first place, right? So I said, no, I don't want this feeling. So I used to pray so hard. <laughs> and I used to call Gurudev, Gurudev, you better keep your eye on me. When that ego comes up, I want you to smash me down. And he did each time. And I was so grateful because it was like 10 years of karma taken away. I felt it. And this is what we were talking about earlier. This is the Shakti that the Guru gives the student. You know, this is the Guru-Disciple relationship. And I knew that every time I cried for 10 hours after he told me off, because sometimes I cried for three days, it was cleansing me of my ego. The ego always wants to be right. It always wants that. And so... I realized early that it's not about fame, it's not about fortune, it's not about anything material. Peace can only come when there's no hankering for any result. Tiaga shanti anantaram. Peace only comes when we renounce all that stuff. All that stuff. It's just stuff. And it's and when we have so much stuff, we can't get to that peace. Sorry, did I go on and on again? <laughs> Don't be sorry. <laughs> you know, it makes me think of uh, just what happens when, if we can begin to renounce the stuff as you're talking about, right? It's, such, it's, a, it's a new way of being that I don't need to go out I don't need to go out and get anything. I don't need to prove anything. I don't care what other people even think about me. I think for many of us, we've lived so long with those types of thoughts occupying our minds that we don't know how else to live. Like it's, it's a new way of being and it's hard to imagine even existing without being, you know, 
goal oriented uh, for objectives and, and trying to control what happens in my life as opposed to, I would say, contentment and just letting go. So do you have anything to say about this process of, of just kind of entering into this new way of life? I guess I have the perfect thing because it happened to me, okay? Every time, like if I created a goal, this is what I want to achieve, what happened? Uh, it made me uh, stressed, anxious, right? Uncomfortable if I didn't get it. That means I'm cankering after something. So that means it was a desire. So as soon as I felt uncomfortable, I came to terms with it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Nobody's disturbing me. Oh, but Melanie, how can you live without a goal? How can you know what? I trust. I trust. I read. Then I started reading lives of great spiritual experts. Right, starting with Gurudev. Starting with Gurudev. How he started in the Apostle of Peace's book. How he started, and how he, uh, after he left his family when his wife passed. And he had decided to go and find God, right? And how he went to the forest and sat there and said, "Well, if there is a God, He'll feed me. I trust totally." Well, for 20 days, he didn't get anything, right? And when he was finally giving up, a wonderful woman came and said, "Oh, you are sadhu. Let me feed you." And so, and then I read that about Papa Ramdas. I don't know if you read anything about Papa Ramdas. Have you? No. Abby? Okay. Uh, and then I read about him, and Papa Ram Das is how he wanted to get from one part of India to the next, and whatever God is going to take me. So he sat at the train station, right, and uh, people watched him, and he was just meditating, and they would go. The lady came up to him and said, "Oh, you look like a saint. Well, I've seen you here for many days." Can I help you? He said, "Yes, I'm making a pilgrimage, and um, I need to get on a train, but I have no money. I give you money. I give you food. Anyway, this happened throughout the trip. Then he went through another train station. This is people sat looking after him, feeding him. He even got a disciple on the way. Right, who started following him everywhere he went, and he just said his mantra was, Rama." Rama will take me to find him. Rama will take me. And then when he got to a train station, right, the the, the um, station master started beating all the poor people who were in third third class carriages. You know, in India they do do that, and start beating the people. Go in, go in, squash, squash. And he stopped the station master and he said, "No, no, 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 no. You are station master. Don't hit them." Tell my family, hit me because I know you are teaching me. They don't know that they will suffer. I won't suffer. You come and beat me, and I'm okay with it. Of course, the station master couldn't do hit him after that. Anyway, this is one of the stories. So I read stories. I read about Saint Teresa of Avila, Mother Teresa, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, Swami Vivekananda. Uh, Swami Chinmayananda, well, uh, Swami Rama of the Himalayas. I started to read these masters, and what these books did to me is inspire me to trust. And that's how we opened our yoga center on total trust. So when I started, there wasn't a charge. Oh yes, it was three three pounds donation. But I didn't spend that money. I gave half of it to the temple, and half of it I just kept it. I didn't think it was ever mine, so I kept it in the box for one day. We might need it, and um, and you know we were working at the temple at that time because I didn't have anywhere to work, and somebody offered that, and then you know everything just happened. And one day, uh, one of my students said, "You know, Melanie, the the the." the Hindu temple, they they want to use the temple. You're using it every day. They're a bit upset about it. I think you should apply. I think you should apply for a government place. Oh, they won't give it to me. Why would they give me a place? But because you asked, I'll apply. So I wrote to the government. Guess what? Out of fifty, three were chosen, and we were one, and we got a place. All that 
money I'd put aside was there. And then all the students, we start raising money. And within three months, the center was ready. People started donating from I don't know where. And I remember when we got, um, uh, I, how I, we just got a concrete space, all kind of like cemented. And I said, we can't afford an architect. So I took a pen and paper. This is the hall. This is the entrance. This, the bathroom should be on the other end. This is two offices. And this is a kitchen for all of us to sit and talk. And all of us, we were a great team. I tell you, they were so devoted. We were, and we, we had cake stalls and quiz nights and everything. And within two months, when the, um, what was it? The uh, foreman said, you need 30,000 to get what you want done. And I said, well, I only have collected 17,000 over the years of teaching. Start with that. And when you reach 17,000, stop, right? I said, stop. And, uh, but we got the 30,000 in two months. It was really quite incredible how that happened. And everybody who was involved on the team, who are, some of them are still here on this video, on this talk, they will tell you it was magical. It, everything was magical. And after this, these things happen to you, of course, it's, you go through hardships and people will test your faith. There is your crazy Melanie, da, 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 da. But you test yourself. You test yourself. Do I really believe in that power and force? And that's how you stop being goal orientated. Because when you have all these experiences, one after another, and many of us in Gibraltar have had that, and also in Spain now, they've had that experience. Once you have that experience, there is a... Um, there is a trust. And like I said, it's so delicious that when you start hankering after goals and you need to do this and you need to do that, uh, it's actually disturbing the peace. How do you carry on in life? I can't answer that question. All I know is I'm 60. I started at 33. I'm 66 now. I've always been looked after. Always. I, I, I don't know. How to, if we can tell you the miracles that have happened at the center and all the students would vouch for it, you just... That is so much more delicious than not having faith. Yes, you have goals, like I said, but if they don't happen, they don't happen. Something better is going to happen. And that's what I know for sure. If I feel we should do something, it doesn't happen, I get excited. Oh my God, what's around the corner that I don't know is going to happen. It's going to be better. And if it's worse, it's even still better. Do you know that... Um, story good luck bad luck who knows no okay i love it i love this story but i'll tell it again i've told it many times but i just love this story um there was a farmer in the village and he had a son family and a horse and one day his neighbor came in and said you are so lucky you have a horse i don't have a horse and the farmer looks at him and says, good luck, bad luck, who knows? And then a few days later, the horse escapes and it's gone. And the neighbor comes in, as neighbors do, and says, oh, how unlucky, you just lost your horse. And the farmer goes, good luck, bad luck, who knows? A few days later, the horse comes back with another three stallions that follow it. And now he's got four horses. <laughs> and the neighbor comes. I don't believe you. How did you get so lucky? You lose a horse to get four more? Oh, my God. And the farmer answers. Good luck. Bad luck. Who knows? And then his son is trying to tame one of the stallions, falls down breaks his leg badly and the neighbor comes oh i thought you were lucky but you are not lucky look at your son he's broken his leg farmer goes you can say it <laughs> good luck bad luck who knows thank you <laughs> and then there is a war in china and the king's soldiers come to all the households to to get the eldest son to get you know to have to um, get them to join the army. 
So, of course, when they see the farmer's son, no, no, you, we can't conscript you, no chance. And they take the neighbor's son. And the neighbor comes, I don't believe this. You're so lucky. And the farmer goes, good luck. Who knows? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you see this, when you deep in your spirit, understand this truth, deep in your soul, then there is a letting go of what life brings. Good luck, bad luck, you know. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I have heard the story before, told you know, a little bit differently. And, and, I, and I feel that this, this story really is all that we need to guide us in life, is just remembering that this is how things are. And the word humility, you know, comes to me, right? Good luck, bad luck, who knows? I, who am I to understand how things are unfolding for me, for everyone in this life? It is beyond me. And um, perhaps that is the, the essence of the spiritual path um, for people to just give it, to give it over to God, whatever you call it, to let things be and to trust because it's beyond you know, the human mind and humans are, are incredible, I feel. And, you know, we, we can understand so much, but this story exemplifies how much we don't know. Right. And so my question is, you know, what, what, what would it look like in a world where more humans were operating on this level? Like, what would that look like if we said, okay, you know, I'm being told to move in this direction, to, to do this or, or that. But in the end, I have no idea what this is going to lead to, who I'm going to meet there, how that's going to change my life. Um, this kind of more of a gentle uh, way of moving through the world. What would, what would that look like if, if human beings were operating like that? Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> it would be so peaceful and easeful. It just would. And of course, because we're humans, they will always be good and bad. They will always be good and bad. But the acceptance of that would create much ease, less discord, no wars. And there will be disagreements, but they will be sorted out as, okay, let's talk about this. We don't understand why this has happened. It's happened, it's not your fault, it's not my fault. What do you think happened here? How can we resolve this together? Let's use wisdom and the peaceful means. That's how it would look like, because people would trust the universe much more. They would trust them, the universe, rather than their egos. And that's, it would be a far easier world to live in and flow in and, and, and uh, learn in and grow in. Now, yeah, I see it would be like that if more and more people did it. Already you see in, in, in your Yogaville, for example, you know, it is so much better than most places in the world, right? In the sense of if there is something wrong, somebody will go and talk about it and resolve it. I know it happens in our centers. People get some kind of dispute. They may, because it's human nature, it's normal. But the difference is they will be, you know, we have this philosophy in our center, two, two, two great rules they have to practice is ahimsa, nonviolence, and such a truthfulness. So they're feeling that anger, they're normal. Human beings do, you know, I always advise them. The first thing you need to do, go to that person, your brothers and sisters, rather than let it fester, fester, you know, which creates so much pain. Go to them at the right time, at the right place. You just don't go and say, blah, 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 blah. it doesn't work like that. When you are calm, totally calm, and then go and ask them, you know, this is what you did. It really upset me. Uh, I don't know if it's my sensitivity or what you said, but can we talk about it? No blame, just can we talk about it? Sometimes they don't want to talk about it. You get that too. You have people with egos, no, you know, you're wrong. And time, time and patience and wait. The truth always comes up. <laughs> the truth always comes up. 
you know, with patience, everything will show its true face. I've learned that. Things can't happen immediately sometimes. We just have to wait. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say that, you know, the patience, I think, is such an important component, right? Not not forcing a certain solution um, and instead waiting for the right time. That takes... I don't know what that takes. <laughs> it takes uh, practice or, I don't know, again, maybe maybe faith to just say, um, you know, I want to solve this situation. I want it to be better, but I'm going to wait until it feels right. Yes, it's faith. It's faith. And if you really believe in something, you will be given that patience. You will be. If you really believe in something, and sometimes you really believe in something. It's happened to me many times in my life, actually three three times. And somebody just taps you in the back, you know, totally. And oh, you are thrown off guard. It happened to me, uh, I remember, uh, about 11 years ago, you know. And I was totally thrown off guard because it, I, I totally loved this person. And the attack was so vicious. And I had no idea where it came from, really no idea, because all was love. And it was not small, it was in uh, hate letters towards me, etc., whatever. And I remember I had to spend the whole night awake praying that I, um, I wouldn't wish this person bad, that I wouldn't, that please bless them, what they done was so horrible. <laughs> That please don't give them bad karma. Don't let me even think that, you know? So, and 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 then when when I was awake the whole night, I realized that that slap was actually the best gift for me. You know, when I got up, at, when I was finished at six o'clock in the morning and I, <gasps> the anger went and I go, well, I'm so grateful I got that slap because if I didn't, my life would be very different. <laughs> Thanks to that person that my whole, Goal, we had a goal and wanted to build an ashram, etc. We looked at land and everything, and it was totally broken apart by, by, by one person. Best thing that ever happened, I would have never bought this house, we'd never have the center. Do you know things happen for the best? I, I knew that after I, I didn't know I would have this house, I didn't know that, but I knew when I, when I finished at six o'clock in the morning that this was so necessary. <laughs> had a feeling. Sorry. Forgive my dog. That's life. I had a feeling. I said, you know, Les, Amazon was supposed to deliver something yesterday and I'm sure they will come while we have the talk today. (laughs) You just know sometimes. And that's my cute dog, Gaia. So, anyway, uh, what was I saying? I totally got lost. That... That it, uh, you know, it redirected your life, that whole situation, yeah. So these situations have to happen to us in a way for us to expand because that there is a better plan, good luck, bad luck, who knows. But while you're in it, it can be very burning. So the secret tapas, you know, um, accepting pain for purification. So the secret is to understand it, absorb it, forgive it, and carry on and say, good luck, bad luck, who knows? And then you're free, you've done it in one night, whoa. In the past, that would have taken me, what, a year? Do you see? So the gift of the practice is the shortness of uh, the onslaught of negativity is looked upon very quickly as something positive rather than negative. Because the ego, the humility is what's important, the humility. The ability to to be attacked and accepted that you deserved it, you know, well, one way or the other. Not that you deserved it, but it was meant to be for some good reason, you know. Seems so so challenging in the situation when you know we feel that someone's done harm to us or maybe even harm to to someone else to remember love in those moments um, and to wish them well. Like what you're talking about, it, it can feel really unrealistic. I think to have the ability to to see it from that perspective to say okay thank you for this challenging thing also and then also I think not to feel that 
I need to be the one to solve this situation. I need to be the one to, you know, punish this person in a way for doing something wrong to instead say, okay, you know, a higher force is going to take care of it and, and, and to have compassion for those individuals, even that do, do us harm. I mean, personally, I find that so challenging and I see the split when something happens that I say, okay, you know, yes, I love everyone. I wish everyone well, but there's another part that wants to hold on and say, no, that's not right. You need to, um, you know, you need to hold on to anger and resentment towards this person. That's appropriate. You can't just let that go and enter this new world of, of love. So any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I, I was reading something today, which I thought was very beautiful. And, and I think I wrote the quote down. May I read it to you? I just, sure. just, just now, just now I was reading it. Um, it's about Buddha and I just wrote it down. Yeah. Directing anger at someone is like throwing hot coal at them. A hot coal, can you imagine? The coal will first burn the hand of he who wishes to cast it. It will burn you up. It will burn your hand up first. And this is what anger does. Yeah. How about kind of the process of entering into this new belief, I would say, of, of coming to understand it because, um, okay, like I see that, right? And and I've read many things like that and also experience too, um, offering someone love, right? And wishing them well, but it doesn't always seem to be possible. And maybe for some people, you can just flip a switch and then one day you totally see what anger does uh, what, what having a grudge does. But I think for many of us, it's a process that's unfolding and we're practicing at it. So these situations arise and it's another opportunity to practice. And, and maybe right. we're not able to offer love in a situation, right? Maybe we are burning ourselves with that coal that we need to throw. You know, is that okay too? Yes, of course. Of course. You know, accepting pain for purification, Kriya Yoga, Sri Patanjali. Yeah, of course it's okay. You feel angry. You feel angry. You have to be authentic. You do feel angry. What that person has done is not correct. That is the truth, right? It is the truth. Nothing but the truth. That is not incorrect, but holding on to that anger for too long will destroy you. So how do you work with it? How I worked with it is to transform it into love, to transform it. So what I did, and I still advise most people to do, is when I get this onslaught, uh, and I really kind of learned this also from Mother Teresa, right? She used to say that she saw Jesus and the prostitute and the thief and Gandhi, and, you know, they, they, they would see that. So I would, from a distance, because when you're very angry, you need to, you need to stay away for the first little while, all right, till the anger subsides. Because if you have that anger and you go and confront that situation or that person, uh, in very few circumstances, unless you're really using the anger to shift them and to make them change, to help them for the betterment. But if you're personally feeling, oh, I am hurt, the personal is there, then hold back. If your anger is there to, to help a situation progress, sometimes that anger is necessary. Okay, so how do you, you, first of all, you have to know where you are coming from, all right? Is it for the betterment of somebody? Now, I learned this great lesson from my guru because like you, I, I was going through all these kind of like, uh, oh, you know, when I have this anger, I'm not gonna be a liar. This is how I, I, I feel, right? So you have to accept it. And over time, you learn to be really good at this. You, the anger comes, you see it, you accept it and you just let it go. But in the beginning, it was really hard. And uh, Gurudev said to me, yes, simply, he said, Nalani, do you want peace? Yes. But Gurudev, you don't understand. Nalani, 
Do you want peace? Yes, Scooter Dick, but you're not as angry. Melanie, do you want peace? Yeah. <laughs> Then what do I have to do? He said, when you start your meditation, he said, you bring this person to your mind or the situation to your mind. It was a person at that time. I used to use words like hate in those days, right? And I... Um, And he said, you bring that person to your mind and you bless them. Oh, Gurudev, that would make me a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And he just burst out laughing. And he said to me, yes, in the beginning, you will definitely feel like a hypocrite. It's okay. It is okay. Don't worry about it. But he said, when you practice and practice and practice, then... You see what happens. Just bless them every morning. So I was lucky. And, and also he, not to be in their energy field for a while, right? So I, I did this. I did this every day. The first week I go, oh, this is such a lie. I really don't believe this, right? The second week, by six months later, it became a practice for many years, for many, many years. I did it automatically, right? And six months later, I happened to see the person. And just before I was about to see the person, I thought, oh my God, my knees are shaking. You know how you feel like Arjuna, your heart is beating, you're starting to perspire. I haven't, no, this hasn't worked. But when the person came right in front of me, I was shocked at my own emotion. I felt total compassion, total compassion. What happened is I saw, Oh, how sad that you always have to make trouble wherever you go. What a sad life. What a sad life. And I'm allowing it, you to continue, because I'm condoning it. I'm condoning your behavior by reacting. I'm condoning, I'm not helping you. I'm actually encouraging you to be so horrible because I'm so weak. Mm. And then I, when I saw that so clearly, I became strong. I no longer condone that behavior, but I, and not only that, I didn't allow that behavior to take my peace because what took over? What took over, Abhi? This great compassion called love because the divine through those months of practice had entered my heart entered. It was worth the practice. I didn't realize it was so powerful. And so this is a practice I give everybody. You know, most people come in with that problem. Husband, wife, sister, brother, mother, daughter, son. You know, everybody has that problem, I realize. And I was so glad that Gurudev gave me that gift. And they would say, how long for? I still don't feel like it. Wait. <laughs> Patience. And true enough, over the years that I have been on this path with the counseling, I have seen, wow, people make uh, amends with parents that they never got along with, uh, husbands and wives that were constantly arguing, one partner changes, the other one has changed, you know, I have seen the miracle of this teaching that Gurudev gave me, so powerful is this power, and that's how you do it, Avi. Slowly but surely. And uh, now the other type of anger, I'd like to tell you another side of the story, if I may, because it's always a paradox, right? We don't know. So many years into the practice, I would say about 15 years, um, I, got, uh, I got really upset with my husband, okay? Because there was something that was going wrong constantly, constantly, constantly. And... He knew it and wouldn't do anything about it, right? Correct? And yeah, I let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. But I wasn't really letting go. When you live with somebody for 24 hours, not easy. It's really not easy, right? So I one day just blew up. I mean, literally, I didn't have anger in my pocket anymore. All that junk came out. And I was, whoa, horrible, horrible. Anyway, I couldn't sleep the whole night. I cried the whole night. Uh, I called, I actually called Gurudev in the morning 
And I said to him, Gurudev, I've been a horrible student. I don't know what this crazy anger came over me. I'm going to apologize to my husband. But before I apologize to him, I need to tell you, I, I need you to forgive me, you know? And he, he what he said over the phone, he didn't even know the situation. He said, Melanie, sometimes God makes us so angry because we have to shift some energy. And that was given to you, so you have to be strong to shift it. Being gentle did not shift it. Guess what? After that anger, my husband realized, do you see? How did Gurudev know that? I did. You see, I wasn't at that time, good luck, bad luck, who knows? Even after 15 years of practice, it gets becomes more, as you practice, the, the practices become more deep, more subtle from physical attachments, emotional attachments, uh, ideas. We, we don't realize that we have so many ideas that we put in boxes inside the silly brain. And to break away all those ideas, because they're just ideas and things, um, and concepts that really, they're too numerous, there are too many um, pathways to believe that ours is the only one, even emotions, you know, uh, and not to judge them so harshly. So yes, and I have seen anger uh, in a case of, I can give you this case of one of my, um, somebody that I saw, well, many, I've many situations like this. And uh, for example, there was a divorce, right? And one partner, uh, let's say this person was really sick and, and, and her husband didn't want to look after her anymore. And I, so he had an affair and left her. So she was so broken, but hearing that he had an affair and left her got her so angry that she was determined to be well to prove to him that he made a mistake by leaving her. <laughs> <laughs> so because of that anger, this girl got well. So who knows? Who's to judge? Yeah, who's to judge? And that's another thing I learned sometimes, you know, and one time we were in Sri Lanka, Les and myself, right? And we went there to, uh, you know, we, we are sponsoring children there. We went to the school to this and we had uh hired a driver to take us around and his and he was uh, his name was Bamal right yes yes Bamal and while we were in the car he was telling us this story he said you know I could have been killed in that tsunami really he said yes because on the 26th of December, you know, the big tsunami in Thailand, 2006, I think it was, or four. Uh, anyway, somewhere there. And he said, because the day before Christmas, I was supposed to, we were supposed to Christmas at home. And then at four o'clock in the morning, we were to drive through this village to see my wife's family who was in the next village. We were going to get up at four o'clock. The tsunami happened around six, seven in the morning, whatever time. So he said, he got so drunk Christmas night. His wife started screaming at him, swearing at him. He got so drunk that he couldn't get up in time. And she was like throwing slippers at him and he just couldn't drive. He was still drunk, you know? And because he was drunk, he saved all their lives. He was so taken by that that he stopped drinking. <laughs> he also left his wife because she was always screaming and shouting. And he was started a new life, a new beginning. But, you know, and when I heard that story, when he was telling Les and, and I, and he said he was searching for his soul and his spirit, because he didn't want to live in that kind of hell, material hell anymore. He wanted to live a pure life and he was, and he wanted to do good and he wanted to learn mantras. He was telling us that. He said, that's being drunk that night brought him to where he was now. So again, who knows, right? Yeah. It's that humility. 
again. And the, and that's why I think of it as, as art, like living is just like art, that it's like art that like, you know, you don't, you feel for it. You feel for what's right in every situation. And there's not like a, a rule book, you know, to deal with everything. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, go ahead. I get really upset when people are rigid. Hmm. I used to, I mean, now I just ignore it. In the old days, you know, I'm a bit of a rebel, still am, you know, I think I'll always be because this is, I, I, I get sad when people judge people so harshly, you know, there's no need for this. You know, there is no need for this. There's, there's a way to be compassionate and loving and caring. And when people judge people, I go, I always think of Lord Jesus and say, judge not or you yourself will be judged. I constantly think of that. Making a judgment on a situation that is right or wrong is very different from judging somebody. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. You know, we have to make lots of judgments in our life. Otherwise, can you imagine it would be chaos? We'd have, you know, pedophiles all over the place. We'd have, as it is, we don't make enough correct judgments in our education system to avoid that. And this is why we have it. And we could make clearer judgments, obviously following the Ten Commandments, the Yamas and Niyamas, uh, the Eightfold Path of Buddha, if we could just follow those paths, then a, a, a lot of peace could be achieved in this world. And um, yeah, but, but you'll find that there, it's, you see, this is why spirituality is, 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 is such a minefield really, and it's like the razor's edge. But the more you expand in love, automatically those boxes of judgment leave you. They leave you. You don't have to struggle to leave them. And if you are struggling, it's part of the process that they will leave you. It does leave you. So long as you do your practice and watch yourself, watch yourself, watch yourself. Watch when you become stuck in ideas, you know? Oh, this is the way it's been done for so many years. Yeah, but that was in, you know, 1980. We are in 2020 now. We have a different backdrop. We have uh, internet where we didn't have before. We have young people with different ideas. The backdrop has changed. Move on. Teaching is the same, but understand the new backdrop. You see, we get stuck in the old backdrop. And this is where the problems come and rigidity happens. And then my way is better than your way and his way. Oh, what do you do? Where is truth is one path so many? But that comes with practice and time. I, I think this is the great gift of meditation, frankly, to sit with oneself and sit with the divine. And um, things come to us. Love comes to us. You know, it is, it is love, it is love. It is, it is the, the recognition of consciousness in everyone and everything. And how I deal with it, as I tell um, many of my students, I said, this is how I deal with it. The person has a sick mind, but they're divine within. The problem is they don't know that. <laughs> they're in their sick mind. So the medicine you have to give is the medicine you give a sick mind. So if you give a person who's very violent love, will not be able to handle it. He might kill you, you know, the monkey and the bird story, right? That Gurudev often tells, right? So, um, yeah, so sometimes this love requires that we ignore the situation and walk away. So you see, there's so many different aspects and different situations according to the person, according to their nature, according to who they are. Thank you, thank, thank you. you. You're so welcome. Thank you. It's nearly seven o'clock, I didn't know, sorry. Um, are you still up for a, a few minutes of uh, guided practice? I am here, I am here, I am here, yes. We'll do um, a little meditation. First of all, please, everybody, just bring your arms up and just give it a good stretch because we've been sitting here some time. A little bit to the right. 
breathe in, breathe out. To the other side, breathe in, breathe out. And interlock your fingers and place them behind your back and just move in any direction your body tells you to. That's it, great, great, great. And now bring the hands down, roll your shoulders back and down. Bring out your hands and rotate them and rotate your feet. That's it, good, great, stretch them out. Bring the arms to the side, bring them up and say, I love my life. Can you say it? I love my life. Great, you say it for all of them, yeah? I am so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful for my life. I am grateful for the joys, the pains, the loss, the gains. I'm joyful. I'm joyful for the pains, the gains, the losses. Yes, I'm joyful for everything. It's made me who I am. Mm. Who, who I was born to be, right? All of us are born to be who we are. Remember Dr. Mala talked about authenticity? I think this is for me spirituality. Each one is a designer piece, each one. And the meditation has to be coming from deep within our souls as we connect with that divine. However we choose to see it, whichever way you see it, but it has to come from what you believe in, not what I believe in. So each one of you out there, feel that love, feel your heart. When you, for me, like if I see Gurudev, my heart goes like, ah, you know, all of you, even just seeing all of you, my heart goes. So have that vision first before we start. Something that elevates you, makes you feel this love inside, this communion, all of us together with the divine. Focus on that love in your heart before we start. Just focus. Bring the palm of your right hand and place it on your heart. It will palpitate. It is happy that you are meeting it. Deep in the hearts of all is the light of all lights, Bhagavad Gita. Lord Krishna says, I am in all, all is in me. I am the light, I am the truth, I am the way, Lord Jesus. I, I am the highest soul, the personality of the Godhead comes through this great soul that enlightens your soul, your life. Feel that love. Now bring your hands to your lap. Interlock your fingers, having the thumbs of both hands join. Place it on your lap. Imagine a beautiful white light entering through the crown of your head, going through your body down to your feet. And this light emanates in your heart outwards to the world. Feel this light surround our globe, surround your family, surround your enemies. Surround the virus and feel this love heal, this love just embrace it all. Embrace it all, embrace it all. It is as it is. It is as it is. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti.
Breathe in the peace. And as you breathe out, send this peace to all. Breathe in again. Feel the warmth, your hands, the back of your neck, your shoulders. As we connect with one another, and the highest energy called love. Observe the connection, heart to heart, soul to soul. And now stay in this peace as you breathe in and out, in and out. Satoma Sadgamaya Tamasoma Jyotir Gamaya Mrityoma Amritam Gamaya Lead us from unreal to real Lead us from darkness to the light Lead us from the fear of death to the knowledge of immortality. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. 
Lokasamasta Sukinu Bhavantu. May the entire universe be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May all our families, friends, and especially those who hurt us be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May the light of truth overcome all the darkness that lives in our minds. Victory to that great, great light. Jai Shri Satguru Satchidanandaji Maharaj Ki Jai 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 Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.